0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room for more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at TPRDFW.com. Okay. Well, for those of you who've got the notes, uh, we are jumping in tonight, our book of revelation study. This session is actually entitled The Beatitudes of Revelation. We're going to look at what the Word of God has to say in Revelation. You may or may not have known that there are some Beatitudes that snuck their way into that book too, not just Matthew. And so I'm going to pray and ask the Lord for help here. Father, we pray tonight as we look at your Word that you would anoint it and you would open the eyes of our understanding, that you would enlighten our hearts tonight so that things would come alive. God, that these words... Would come alive that you would give grace tonight as we study in Jesus' name. Book of Revelation, the B attitudes. All right. Well, to start with, as we uh, as we dive in here, <clears throat> these uh, verses that we're going to look at, there's some key instructions for the church of the last generation. It's actually what's happening here. If if you're looking for a way to interpret what are we going to be looking at and what are we reading tonight, these are some of the uh, perhaps lesser known instructions that are found in the book of Revelation about how to be a disciple during the time period that the book of Revelation unfolds. You know, you could look at the comparative Beatitudes uh, that are found in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is laying the groundwork for Christianity. And he's saying, blessed are you if, and then he more or less says, if you live this way and experience these things, then, then you can count on these promises. And that's kind of the prescription that we find in the Beatitudes of the Sermon on the Mount. And, and, uh, and they're all conditional they are all conditional statements. There's a promised blessing that's conditional on partnership. But I just find it interesting when we look at the Beatitudes in the book of uh, Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, and we see Jesus is establishing basic Christianity. And he's saying, this is what it means to just be a saved person. This is how you want to live. This is what you want to give your heart to, your attention to. You want to live these ways. These are foundational uh, discipleship principles. He gave us eight in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Find it funny that we've got seven now in the book of Revelation. And these seven, similarly, they describe kind of a upgraded version of of what uh, discipleship looks like under the most intense pressures imaginable. And yes, we want to hold on to the uh, eight uh, Beatitudes of the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to always need those. But there are some that he gives us in the book of Revelation that he's drawing additional attention to and he's highlighting. And I think that it's out of the same mouth. Jesus is the same one that said the Beatitudes in in Matthew and uh, the Sermon on the Mount as he does now in the book of Revelation. There are a couple times it's an angel, a few times it's Jesus himself. But it's Jesus that's orchestrating this same um, uh, equation of a blessing declared with partnership and then promises of uh, of what that partnership will yield in the life of the believer, but it's in the context of the greatest trial that the earth will ever ever experience. So these are some Beatitudes we wanna pay attention to. These are some things that we wanna look at and get a little bit of uh, perspective on. Now, that term Beatitude, if that's one that you're kinda like, where, what, how are we calling these Beatitudes? The, uh, the term beatitude, it comes from the Latin word beatus. And what that word means, if you just break it down, is it means happy and blessed. It can in, Depending on the context, it can mean either happy or blessed. So when Jesus, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, he's saying, blessed are you if... It's actually that root word from which we get beatitude. It's this concept, it's an attitude of the heart or heart posture that you will be blessed if you walk in this according to these principles, according to these ways. And so the term beatitude, its foundation is actually in that word blessing, which is how Jesus started each one of the beatitudes in Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the humble or rather the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, all of those. So... When we're looking now in the book of Revelation, we're doing the the correlation of that same concept. Blessed are those, or blessed is the one who does this or that, okay? Well, the very opening of the book, we don't even get but a few verses in to the book of Revelation. And the first blessing is prescribed, is given. (laughs) Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy And blessed are those who hear it And take to heart what is written in it Because the time is near Now we're going to look at each one of the seven Beatitudes of of the book of Revelation. I just want to make note right now that at the very beginning of the book, we're being introduced to this concept that there are blessings that are related to the contents and the lifestyle and faithfulness in the context of the book of Revelation unfolding. Uh, The the entire prophecy was given to prepare the church for what was coming at the end of the age. And these Beatitudes are scattered throughout the book of Revelation, I think as part of a passage pastoral um, response in the heart of Jesus as he keeps telling us the most terrifying, incredible, powerful things imaginable. He keeps saying, yes, but blessed are you if you just stay the course. Blessed are you if you engage with the storyline. Blessed are you if you keep up with the content and, and you're focusing on me in the midst of the trial. In the midst of the difficulties, he keeps saying, yeah, but blessed are you if... And I think it's part of Jesus's pastoral response to some of the intensity that we read in the book of Revelation. So I think that's part of why they're in there. Okay. So what are these Beatitudes? Now, I gave you just a little paraphrase, my interpretation of these Beatitudes. We'll actually read all of them. But I just gave a little one-liner here on all seven of them that we find, Uh, the one in Revelation 1-3. I think it's blessed are those who read and believe the book of Revelation. I think that's what you could call the first one. The second is actually blessed are those who are martyred in the midst of the great trial, that there's a blessing on those that are martyred. Number three, those who are prepared for his second coming. Those that are prepared for the return of the Lord. Revelation uh, 19 9, this is the fourth one. Those that are permitted to attend the wedding banquet. There's a blessing on those that are permitted to attend. Those who get to be part of the first resurrection. What's the next beatitude? Number six. Blessed are those who know the book of Revelation and hold to it. They hold to it. It's not just enough that they know the words, but they hold to it. The phrase is keep the prophecy. Revelation twenty-two fourteen 14 is those that hold to righteousness in the midst of the evil day. You know, we're gonna talk a little bit more about that, but in, in just a little quick synopsis on that one, we're heading into the most difficult season of human history. I believe we've already begun to see some of the birth pangs. I think that's something that's shifting and shaking right now in the earth. It's only going to get more intense from here out. There'll be moments of reprieve, but we're headed into the the greatest intensity that humanity's ever experienced before. We're also heading into the greatest level of deception that has ever existed in humanity. And as a byproduct of that deception, the greatest level, the highest heights of wickedness that the earth has ever known. And so there needs to be a church that understands the narrative, that's walking with the Lord in the midst of the trials, that's not yielding to compromise, that's walking in righteousness, and that is able to stand in the evil day, that knows the hour that they're living in and is living like they're living in that hour, not living like it's some other generation. A people prepared and walking with God in the most difficult time. It's really what the book of Revelation is for, is to help prepare us for that. Thank you, Jesus. You gave us a 22-chapter book on how to handle the most difficult generation ever. Because whenever it is in human history timeline that a group of people find themselves alive in the time frame that the things in the book of Revelation unfold, they will need that content. And we have found ourselves at the early stages of that generation. I don't know. Are we talking 20 years or 50? 50? I don't know, but it's not 100 anymore. It's not five. We got a, num- know a bunch of reasons why we know it's not that little, but it's some short number of decades away and we're gonna see Jesus in the sky, people. And so there is now an urgency for the people of God to begin to understand this material and to give ourselves to it, What's part of the reason we've spent so much time uh, in this study on the book of Revelation that we might be a people that are as prepared as one can be. All right, so now let's look at these Beatitudes. I broke them up into a few different categories because that helps me. You know, a lot of times these study notes, it's really what helped me to comprehend it. And then I just give it to you. And if it's helpful to you, great. If not, that's okay. It really was good for me anyway. And so uh, so as I'm trying to process this information and I'm studying and reading and I'm thinking and I'm comparing, I saw a few themes that jumped out. So the way that we're going to look at these now isn't in the order that they appear in the book of Revelation. It's thematic because this whole study that we're doing on Revelation is a thematic study. So, the first uh, theme, if you will, that really jumped out to me is the way we treat the book of Revelation. There are two beatitudes in the book of Revelation that are specific to the way we treat the 22nd, uh, I'm sorry, the 22 chapter last book of the Bible. There's two beatitudes that directly address how we treat it. So, here they are Revelation 1 3, we just read it. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. The prophecy is the book of Revelation. And blessed are those who hear it. And if you will, blessed are those who take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Let's do a few takeaways here. This is the book of Revelation self declaring its importance. The book of Revelation is saying, this is a massively important book. In fact, you're blessed if you read it. You're blessed if you hear it read. And you're blessed if you take to heart what you hear and what you read. It says it's important that you understand this book is different. This book is a real-time strategy game. This book is an actual unfolding of events in many ways in chronological order of those events. This is a book that unfolds and describes a generation. Who wouldn't want a 22 chapter book in the Bible about their generation, specific to their generation? The truths have always been helpful. The truths have always been applicable. But there's never been a generation that actually walked out the book of Revelation, and there's going to be, and the Bible says, this prophecy is important. You are blessed if you read it, hear it, and if you take to heart what's in there. Now, that's true of all the Bible, but it's double true of Revelation because it says it outright, straight up, and it's part of the way that the... the um, Holy Spirit is helping to author the book of Revelation from the very onset to say, this one really matters, people. Be bad at something else. Don't be bad at this book. Know this book. Have this book written in your hearts. Secondly, I love the way that it ends because the way that it ends is a very provoking reality despite what time frame you were born into. The second part of this, the final phrase is because the time is near. Now, when this was written, we've now got 2,000 years of history, not quite, but about 2,000 years of history to look back on and go, well, it hadn't happened yet. How near is it? I want to tell you, it is the wisdom of the Lord to try and talk every soul in every generation into living like it's now. It's the generation it's now. Live like it's real because it creates urgency in the heart because it creates prep, uh, preparedness. Just think about the accumulated wisdom that we could have today if all the generations of our fathers had lived like they were about to experience it and were preparing that way and were creating resources like it was true. And then the next generation are building off that. And the next generation building off that. That's not necessarily been the case. Here we are now, it's 2022, and we're a little bit in a pioneering stage, not completely. There have been some that have gone before us in the last generation, but it's difficult to go generations back and get real clarity about a lot of these things. But the the admonition is live like this is real and now and will impact your life because if you do, you'll be blessed. Now that would have been true no matter the generation you were born into. If you would have heard it, read it and and done like written like it was, you know, real, you had these things written on your heart, you took them to heart, you would have been blessed no matter the generation. But you'll also be equipped <laughs> in the hour when the things actually unfold, and that's a double blessing. Next. That's the way that the book of Revelation starts, first chapter. But now let's look at last chapter. It's book ends says nearly the same thing at the end of the book of revelation. So now we've got the end of the book of revelation. Now it's Jesus and he steps in and he says, listen, I want to reiterate what John said at the beginning. He said, look, I'm coming soon. You could say in in the uh, latter part of revelation one, three, because the time is near here. Jesus starts with that. He says, I'm coming soon. He said, blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I love that phrase. Keeps the prophecy, keeps the words of the prophecy of this scroll. They keep the words. (coughs) In order to keep the words, there's a lot that goes on there. You can't keep the words of a scroll you're unfamiliar with the content of. You can't keep the words of a scroll or of a prophecy that you're only a little bit familiar with. Jesus is, this is an invitation for intimate understanding of the book of Revelation. He says, blessed are those, I'm coming soon. Remember, it's been 2000 years. He said, but I want you to live like I'm coming soon. You will be blessed if you live that way. You will be blessed, you'll be prepared, and you don't know when I am coming, so it's best to live like I'm coming soon. And he said, blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy. It means hold to it and apply it. Now, it's really easy or much easier to hear a teaching and to later repeat it than it is to hear a teaching and apply it in your life in such a way that the testimony of the Holy Spirit would say they're keeping the prophecy. They're applying it in their life. They're taking this for real. This is serious to them. They are actually doing things with their time and their money and their energy and their relationships that are a reflection that they believe this prophecy is true. It's very different to have theological ideas bumping around in our head with no application, but faith without action is dead. We're looking at the statement from Jesus at the end of this prophecy. You just imagine, I mean, I'm thinking about the first time I read Revelation, I'm just shaking my head going, what did I just read? And then you read the phrase, blessed are you if you keep this. Like, keep it? I don't know that I want to read it again. Like, this is intense. And it's like, Jesus is like, no, no, this is, you want to get this really deep within you. You will be blessed if you understand this content well enough, you can apply it to your life. Honestly, from an angel's perspective, they would look and they'd say, they're taking it seriously. They're keeping the prophecy. That's what we want. It doesn't matter if we can high five each other and pat each other on the back. Hey, you're a keeper of the prophecy. That doesn't matter at all. What do angels say? What does the Holy Spirit say? What does Jesus say? In your own soul you know. This is, there's a blessing. I don't know about you, I wanna be blessed. I got enough problems. If the Bible says if you do this, life is good for you, I'm gonna take him up on all of them. Because I got enough problems that like just my mere existence on the planet, I get slapped around by demons sometimes. I get slapped around by circumstances and problems and life and I got issues just like everybody else has. When there's a Bible promise that says, you'll be blessed if you do this, I'm all in. I want all of them because I know it's a counterbalance to be able to keep me on the straight and narrow, keep my heart alive, keep me engaged with Jesus. I like promised blessings from the Bible. I like them. And so this one says, you're blessed if you keep the words of the prophecy. Well, similar exhortation, top of page three, if you're in the notes, the end of each of the letters that Jesus wrote the seven churches in the book of Revelation, we spent a couple sessions on that earlier in this series. But the end of each one of those actually says more or less the same thing. I mean, it's, you got to interpret it a little bit. It says, whoever has an ear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The idea is this, the Holy Spirit is speaking through the book of Revelation to the church for the church to respond, to receive, and to take heed, to listen to those words, and then to apply them. And when they do, there's a blessing that rests on them. So this isn't an isolated idea in Revelation. The book of Revelation is constantly self-advertising. It's constantly saying, pay attention to these things and you'll be blessed if you do. Just maybe not in that exact phrase. All right, now, second category. Calls to righteousness. Our spirits are provoked when we pay close attention to what's promised in Revelation. We see the promises in Revelation and they're like they're provoking. They're like, man, I want to stand like that. (laughs) I want to do like the good version of the way that that verse just read. Like, I don't want to be on the other end of that. I want to walk according to that lifestyle, according to those promises. I want to live in that. Well, there are many calls to righteousness, and specifically there's three of the Beatitudes in the book of Revelation that deal with various aspects of what it looks like to walk with Jesus in the most trying time in human history. And the first one is, blessed are the martyrs. Look at this. Revelation 14:13, And I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. They will rest from their labor and their deeds will follow them. Now we just got done with Revelation 13 where we're described the Antichrist and the massive amounts of martyrdom that are going to be at the hands of the Antichrist and his governmental regime. We just got done hearing that. And now you kind of just imagine people are like in, quivering in their boots a little bit. You know, they're still a little bit of shaking. And Pastor Jesus, you know, comes in. He sends the angel. He says, listen, a voice from heaven. He says, listen, tell him this. You don't need to worry about your life. Blessed are those that die in the Lord from now on. But we're in the middle of the great tribulation. Martyrs are going down left and right. The Antichrist in all uh, natural estimation is unchallengeable. He's out there. He's got his hands and his grasp over the whole earth. People are mar- being martyred. He says, blessed are you if you die like that. Yeah. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. In the midst of all this, your deeds will follow you. He's saying, I have eternal rewards waiting for you. You don't need to go looking for death. But if you find it in the midst of that, if you wind up dying in the midst of the great tribulation, therefore you don't get to be one of those that's on the earth raptured at the end because you got debted right in the middle of the thing by martyrdom or some you know, some uh, nefarious pursuit of, of Antichrist and his regime or just wicked men. He says, you are blessed now that's supposed to empower us so that we wouldn't fear for our lives. Listen, people that are fearing for their lives act very differently, very instinctually in ways that can wind up being very ungodly, in ways that could even wind up having people deny their faith in order to not die that day. He says, no, you don't, you, you know, you're not going to be like that. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to tell you ahead of time, blessed are you if you're martyred in the midst of the great tribulation. It's a blessing. You don't need to be afraid of that. You don't need to go looking for it, but you also don't need to ever shy away from it. If it comes knocking at your door, you will be blessed. There is a blessing on you that will rest on you. That's powerful to know because we can head now into those circumstances with great confidence. This isn't bad. I didn't take a wrong turn. In fact, I was given those Bible verses so that I might stand strong in the evil day. And I might be thinking about the blessing instead of thinking about the temporal pain. Instead of thinking about whatever ramifications for those that I love, I might be able to stand strong because I can have the words of Jesus echoing through my mind. Blessed are those that die in the Lord from now on. That's powerful. Next, call to righteousness those who are prepared for his coming. Revelation 16, 15. Timing of this is in the middle towards the end of the bowls of wrath. The bowls of wrath are the most intense judgments in the book of Revelation. Revelation. (laughs) and the words of Jesus, it's red letter, they show up in the middle of the bowls in a way that's a little seems to break up the storyline in a way that if you don't understand Pastor Jesus' intention here, you might read through Revelation 16 and go, why is that right there? It's there for the same reason that these other ones are in there. And that is right in the middle of the most difficult, the hardest times, the greatest amount of death, the most uh, you know, painful moments. It's Pastor Jesus stepping in and he says these words, look, I come like a thief blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as to not go naked and be shamefully exposed let me just break it down for you blessed are those who prepare for the second coming of jesus and that they are steadfast in their spirit and they are steadfast in their lifestyle nothing will shake them he said, blessed are those who are awake and that they remain faithful, that they remain clothed, they are ready for the work of the Lord, they're engaged in the storyline, blessed are the prepared. You know, Jesus is the one that gave this thief motif. He gave it a number of different times, and, and then, uh, and then uh, Paul ran with it. But it's Jesus' idea. Jesus is the one that describes himself showing up like a thief in the night that's a Jesus idea. And he says, listen, I actually want you to kind of get a little bit of a tremble in you about that. Cause what that means is I'm going to show up and most people will be unprepared, but you don't need to be unprepared because you knew I was coming. You maybe didn't know what night, but you were ready every night. You were living prepared. You got the warning ahead of time, and you prepared yourself so that you might be one that could respond rightly all your days. This is a call to preparedness. It even goes back to knowing the book of Revelation and taking it seriously. Not only, but certainly that being part of it. Blessed are those who are prepared for the second coming of Jesus. You know, we're, we're actually very fortunate, in my opinion, and all of this is part of the plan of God. We're very fortunate Jesus hasn't come back yet. Because there's a whole lot of not prepared going on. And prepared doesn't mean storing up you know, canned goods and having a bunch of guns. That is not prepared. There'll be plenty of those dudes that aren't in a good spot. Well, a couple of them there might be. That's not the issue of preparedness. The issue of preparedness is in the soul. But it's not in the soul in random ways. It's in the narrative of, I am coming soon. Be ready for me coming soon. I've never come back before. I came once, but I've never come back to the planet. I've never come back for the the second coming, the procession, the rapture. I've never done that before. It's a unique moment. Be prepared. You need to be prepared. I'm actually grateful that Jesus hasn't come back yet because right now the church at large is not ready for that moment. But I think little Bible studies like this and a bunch of them that are a whole lot better than ours are part of what's going to start to change the conversation. So that in some time, Lord, give us a little bit of time here. We need some time in a little bit of time, the church might be prepared because there's a blessing promised to those that are prepared. There's a blessing that is promised for that. Also, those who hold to righteousness through the evil day. We're headed into a season. We just uh, handed out those books on the harlot. Oh, nope, that was... uh, Book of Heaven or uh, Torah Heaven. Some weeks or months ago, we handed out some books on uh, the Harlot Babylon. It's a subject that's really intense in the Word. It's a very important subject. And it's the rise of wickedness in the last generation that will surpass all wickedness in human history. It will be the most wicked ever. And people will look at it and they will call evil good, and they'll call good evil. And the world will celebrate evil. And in that hour, Jesus gives us another beatitude, another exhortation. He says this, blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. There is probably no better phrase in the book of Revelation to encapsulate the last generation than those who love and practice falsehood. We're heading into a generation where the bulk of the, uh, of the human race will love falsehood, practice falsehood, and get mad at you if you don't think their falsehood ideas are good. They'll get mad at you and there'll actually be consequences for those that don't agree with calling evil good and calling good evil. There'll be consequences. He wants to make sure we understand, blessed are you who wash your robes in the blood of the Lamb. Blessed are you who give your life to Jesus and then you walk according to his righteous ways in the most wicked generation. Blessed are you if you hold the line about what is righteous. And then he goes ahead and he gives the opposite. If anybody wonders what I'm talking about here, he says outside, as in they don't get this blessing. Outside is a different category of people. Well, who's that category of people? Those that practice magic arts, sexual immorality, murder, murder idolatry and every evil practice he says you are blessed if you practice righteousness in the final generation if you hold the line if you wash your robes in my blood and then adhere to my practices my ways he says you will be blessed there's going to be so much confusion over that point in the church in the last days There's gonna be so much wishy-washy because it's gonna be like, well, if I don't do this, then I can't provide for my family anymore. Providing for my family is a good thing, right? Don't fall into unrighteousness to provide for your family. The Lord will take care of your family. Well, what about my physical well-being? If I don't give into these compromises, they're gonna cut off my meds. I need my meds. Listen, whether you die from not having meds or the Lord heals you and he just removes the need for the meds. Don't give in to unrighteousness in order to meet a natural a cause or a natural need. The Lord will help us. Blessed are those who walk according to his righteous purposes in the most wicked hour. It's very important. There's plenty of exo- exhortations like that throughout the word. I'm not going to read you any more of them. You can go read that on your own if you want to. I'm going to skip down to the final part here. Part four. Part <clears throat> four. These last two Beatitudes, I just, again, these are my notes for me to try to process and hopefully they're helpful to you. And it's fine if you would read, if you would teach this teaching completely different. If you'd look at this and go, I would package this completely different. That's all awesome. Once you do it, give me your notes and I'll like those too. Uh, But these notes are just trying, me trying to get my head around these ideas and then find a way to be able to present them to you. So the byproducts of heeding the instruction, it says heading the instruction. You know, it's a funny thing when you try to put the word heating in a heading (laughs) because it, you just get a self-correct. It just, it just auto-corrects you, and you wind up with heading the instruction. Anyway, byproducts of heeding the instruction is how that's supposed to read. There's two of them that I see. One of the byproducts, and again, this is Pastor Jesus. He's trying to help us. He's trying to help us to understand it's all worth it. Hold on. As you go through the most difficult time in human history, hold on. I'll be with you. I'll strengthen you. He says this. The angel shows up, says... Write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Blessed are those that get to attend the wedding supper. There's gonna be times during the coming decades, you actually don't have to wait till the final three and a half years to start experiencing some of the negativity that will be accruing in this final generation. Some of it's already there now, but it's only gonna continue to grow, and we kinda need to gird ourselves up a little bit. We need to get tougher skin, we need to get more grounded in the word, we need to be less reactive to things, we need to have a well within us that we might respond with the grace of the Lord and and the ways that the the Bible gives us that are apt replies and not just emotional responses. But as we near the end and the difficulties are so hyper difficult, they are so intense. We're actually, I think, going to need the picture of, if I can just make this through this, I get to go to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And that not being a cool Bible idea anymore, it being an actual fact you're thinking about. Let's see, according to the timeline, I got about six weeks left before the wedding supper of the Lamb. If I can just hang in there... (laughs) I get to go to the wedding supper of the lamp, and by the way, hanging in there includes dying martyrdom that 's hanging in there what isn 't hanging in there is bowing, buckling, faltering we 've got to be a people that hold the line. You don't have to be mean about it, but you got to get mean in your spirit. I mean, you got to get, you got to get girthy. You know, you got to get to a point where you don't take no nothing from nobody, and you just go, no, that's not what the Word of God says. No, this is truth. This is right, and we walk according to those things. I think there's going to be a time where we're going to encourage each other. I mean, we're going to be in like foxhole mode, looking at each other, going. Blessed are those who get invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. I'll see you there in a minute, one way or the other, right? We're going to be looking at each other. We're going to be encouraging each other with these words because there is great difficulty coming. Not only difficulty, also the greatest hour of the church's victory. But the greatest hour of the church's victory doesn't decrease the difficulty. It just gives us a different focal point. Our narrative is far greater than the pain. But there really will be pain. And I think that this is Pastor Jesus helping us to see once again, blessed are those who will be invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And similarly, blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. They will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. This powerful testimony, a byproduct. We heed the instructions of the book of Revelation. We take it seriously. We take the whole Bible seriously. But the book of Revelation has historically been uh, not given a lot of attention to. So we take the book of Revelation seriously. We make it through. We're focused on him. And he says this, says, blessed are those that share in the first resurrection. He says, it's going to be awesome. You want that blessing. You want to be a part of that? You just hold the line. You just do all the other beatitudes. You just do what the rest of the book has said. I just want to remind you in the midst of all this, blessed and holy are those that take part in the, uh, in the first resurrection. It's going to be a beautiful promise that will help keep us steady in these final days. So we're going to break up into groups for discussion. But here's the, uh, here's the gist of this. I think these seven exhortations are strategic in the book and even strategic where they land in the chapters. As exhortations from Jesus, whether it's him speaking it, an angel, or John writing it, it's from Jesus, specific to help us to navigate the pressures of the final generation and the difficulties of that three and a half year period specifically. Okay, Luke, how many groups we got? Four groups of seven to eight. So you're going to break up into little groups of seven to eight. Now, who are my group leaders? Hands in the air, real high. Okay, Caitlin, can I get you to move over here? John Stokes, can I get you over here? Andy will be in the back. Luke, stay right where you're at. So groups of seven to eight, break up into groups, have your discussion, and then uh, we'll come back for a little bit of Q&A here in about 20, 25 minutes. Amen. Okay, we're going to go ahead and do our time of q and I'll repeat the questions just to make sure we've got them for the recording. Uh, why don't we start over here? Right. Our Uh, the verse again was Revelation fourteen thirteen. What was the verse? Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. No, no, the verse address fourteen thirteen. 14, 13. Okay, um, yeah. So the question is, uh, blessed are uh, those, the, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. The question uh, related to from now on. What's the the transition there? Um, so we just got done in that in the context of Revelation fourteen. We just got done with the three angelic messengers that are declaring things like the eternal gospel fallen is Babylon the great if anyone worships the beast or his image and receives the mark this exhortation in Revelation 14 13 is on the tail end of that and so it's actually kind of helping to interpret the positive side because they just got done going oh my gosh there's a babble the Babylon uh, the great is gonna fall uh, there's gonna be a bunch of people that are gonna take the mark of the beast um, that's gonna be really intense Um, you know, what's all that going to look like? It says this calls for patient endurance is verse 12, right before it, this calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints. What is the, this, the, this is all the martyrdom that's going to come out of, uh, the, the ramifications and the, the, the call to righteousness as many are going to wind up going astray. And so I think that, uh, it's less about, uh, uh, those that die in the Lord from now on, and more, the timeliness of this word being given as uh, uh, right on the tail end of that, like a like an affirmation or or, or, or uh, an encouragement of, listen, I just gave you these trials. I want to let you know. Those that die in the midst of that, and from now on, there is a blessing that rests on you. Don't be uh, deterred. Don't fall into the pressures uh, of the difficulties of that day. So great question. Those are the kinds of things you go back. I would encourage actually all of you so that we can be those that keep the prophecy. I would encourage all of you to go back and look at the context of all seven of these. Because you do find answers like that. You go, oh, wow, the verse right before it says, but this is going to call for patient endurance, so blessed are those that die from here forth. You know? uh, so those are some great uh, contextual um, little nuggets that you find when you go and, and you read the, the passage around it. Okay, uh, over here. Okay. Um, so uh, the the question is in relationship to Revelation 1-3, blessed are those who read the words of this prophecy. Um and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Uh, some translations say, read aloud the words of this prophecy. And the question would be, uh, you know, what is the emphasis on read aloud as opposed to uh, just reading it? Um, I have some thoughts. Um, one, it's debatable that that's exactly how it reads. So it could be reads aloud or could be reads. Okay, so that's, but let's just go ahead and say it's read aloud. Okay, uh, one is a, a, a point of contextualization that is right after that it says, here the words, uh, uh, blessed are those who read the words of the prophecy and blessed are those who hear. Let's go back in time for a minute and let's put ourselves in the shoes of a normal human being in this culture who probably hasn't received an education. And you've now got a blessing if you can find this scroll and you yourself can read it or you yourself can hear it read, That's going to be a a predominant amount of the way that the information would get conveyed. And so... You know so it 's just like get it in you one way or the other if you read if you can read, read it aloud <laughs> so that others can hear it if you can 't read, hear it read. but I also think that there's something to the we hear things differently than when we when we hear our own voice say it or we hear another voice say it out loud. It does something at a different level than when we just read it in our spirit but i 'll just go this way because i'm not i 'm not a um, I don't even know what word I'm looking for. I'm so not that word, I don't even know the word. Uh, I'm not an over-spiritualizer when it comes to, like, when you pray, you must pray out loud, or it doesn't count. I've prayed most of the prayers I've ever prayed in my head, and I've watched God answer them. So... So I'm not an over-spiritual in that relationship that it's like, if it's not declared out loud, then it doesn't get into the atmosphere and it doesn't accomplish the things that it's supposed to. I just have seen it otherwise. Uh, So I like praying out loud. I like praying in my head. Um, But I've seen the Lord answer plenty of prayers that were in my head. Um, In fact, I would not have made it through Africa Uh, had the Lord not answered prayers that were in my head. Because uh, there were a lot of times where I needed the Lord to answer right now, and I was not in a position where it was a good idea to say it out loud. And so, um, anyway, so just a, just some thoughts. So I don't know that that really answered it, but maybe it danced around the question. Okay, Andy. So if if I can restate it, uh, what might be the greatest way to get believers in the West to actually start doing the Revelation 1-3? Blessed are those who read it, hear it, and uh, and take to heart what's written in it and even the Revelation 22 who keep it Uh, what would it take or what do I think is the best way and and you even alluded to is it going to be the pressure is that what's going to probably be the greatest catalyst probably um in American Christianity and other Western nations as well, and other nations as well, it's just the pace of life looks very different in a lot of different parts of the world than it does in our culture. Our culture is go, go, go. And that's a Western uh, uh, way of living that is not universal to the planet. And uh, and so there's so many opportunities in go, go, go. There's so many distractions. There's so many ways to keep you moving and busy and doing that actually require a, a maybe way more to slow down and to read and to process and to think and to dialogue and then to figure out how to apply. Ooh, and if I apply that, that's gonna cost me some of my go, go, go. So I think we're, we're culturally kind of set up uh, at a bit of a, uh, uh, a, a point of weakness. Um, and and so I think in our culture um, the intensity of difficulties has historically shown to have some impact, but I think that as those difficulties compound and show up unprecedented in unprecedented ways, um, I think that that will be the only thing spare the Holy Spirit really getting a hold of people um, that will be a naturally uh, count onable. Um, uh, catalyst uh, is the difficulties. And we just kind of have to hope that that'll do it. Because you know the enemy is thinking the same thing and he can't wait for those difficulties in order to create different distractions, different opportunities, different solutions uh, to those problems. And so, um, so I think that in partnership, I know I'm giving kind of a long answer here, I think the difficulties partnered with the prayer movement's intercession that would cause the church to be more aware, more alert, more awakened. Uh, As the difficulties come, maybe a, a church that's been prayed for by a growing prayer movement will respond slightly different when a crisis happens than a church that hadn't been prayed for by a growing prayer movement. I mean, we have to believe that our intercession matters. And that it's the Lord raising up the global prayer movement, not just a bunch of people that all got the same good idea you know, like it's the Lord. So it's actually the Lord helping to soften the soil so that as those plants come up, they can be responded to. So I I do think it's maybe a twofold. The increase of prayer and the increase of pressure in combination, I think will create the context for a church that awakens uh, in the West. Excellent question. Those are the kinds of things we need to be thinking about, praying about. I mean, having in our our prayer meetings, having on our prayer lists kind of stuff. That's great. Over here, John. Worship leader, you can come on up. So what does it mean to keep the prophecy? But If if we could even make keep the prophecy for our purposes tonight the, the, the highest point of the exhortations, okay? Because all the others uh, are part of what keeping the prophecy would be. If we could make that exhortation, keep the prophecy, <laughs> what does it look like to do it? The first thing I would just say is You can't keep it if you don't understand it. So getting a working understanding of anything you're going to try to keep, I mean, you know the reason we all went to driver's ed is so that we could keep the law, you know, so that we could drive around our towns and hopefully do the things that we were supposed to be doing. And the only way we were able to keep that is if we understood it. And all of us got pulled over that first week, didn't we? Because uh, we did not really understand that which we had uh, signed the line. Yes, I agree to these terms. And, and so the, the, the point that I'm trying to make there is we have to really intimately become familiar with the content. Because you can't appropriately apply something you don't actually understand. And understanding isn't, I read it a couple of times. Uh, understanding is really deep. I would say finding resources like this one. Don't think of this as an encounter service right now. Think of this as a resource to help you keep the prophecy. Think of this as, and finding other resources, better ones, that are about trying to gain clarity on the book of Revelation. Specifically, the book of Revelation, because it says there's a blessing for those that understand it, that, that know it, keep it, read it, you know, hear it read. And so finding those sorts of resources, I think is another very practical way. And then, and John alluded to this, it's going to look different for everybody of the actual implementation and application of things. But I would think you can't keep it unless you're asking the Lord the question, how do I keep it? I mean, you might accidentally keep a few things, but you can't actually embody what that blessing uh, uh, is about and what it encapsulates and what it promises unless you're asking the Lord the question what do I do with this information? I mean this week with my time how do I spend my money different? How do I? What do I do with my kids? I don't have kids yet. What do I do with I'd like to get married one day who do I marry in light of this? And it's not the time to marry a lost person. You want to like, marry a Revelation fanatic. I mean it's like this these are you like this this is the time to be thinking, but that's keeping the prophecy because that's I'm actually gonna plan my life and my decisions based off of what I read in the book of Revelation. That's what keeping it means. Now that's just one example. But that's my point, is we're thinking about our life and our decisions, what we do, what we don't do, where we go, how we spend our time, what we don't give our time to, even though it's awesome, it's, not, it's actually going to pull me away from some things that are going to help me keep the prophecy. And so it's, it's all of that taken into account. So great question. Glad you asked it. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources, please visit our website at tprdfw.com. Thank you.